Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson with you, as I am usually with you, so, you know, not much different. But also, as usual, I'm going to give you a little update uh, of what is going to come up on the show after this. Later on for our inbox, we have a question from a listener who asked me what some of my favorite Bible verses, passages are, and why they are so meaningful to me. So, you know, I love that. I love sharing this kind of stuff. So I'm going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, our own Dr. Danny Huerta here, uh, he leads Parenting and Youth for Focus on the Family, is going to join us to address mental health struggles uh, that young adults face today, and specifically how they impact relationships, including dating. So, what do you need to be healthy? What do you need to identify that in other folks? We will walk you through all of that. Well, here we are for our roundtable. And as always, we love to talk about personal growth and what that looks like and how that affects our relationships with others. And so we brought in very growing people um, for this roundtable. We have got Casey, Maya, and Andrew here. Hey, y'all. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> Great to have you. And we thought we would talk about, like, what does it mean to have a learning attitude towards things in a number of areas of life um, and specifically what it means to go after growth uh, in different spheres. And so I want to kick it off by saying, well, first of all, I'm going to say that, you know, Casey, you were on not too long ago. What did we talk? I don't even know what we talked about last week. We talked about goals. Yes. So this ties in really nicely to that for me. And you know, I'm going after some of my goals that I talked about. So we're gonna have Mm -hmm. to do a follow up on that. But Casey is a a professional learner, as is Andrew. Like, Andrew is just like, they actually work in the field of HR development and stuff. So there's not probably an assessment they haven't done on some level. (laughs) Various. We've done a few. (laughs) They have done a few. Um, And then Maya is just, she obviously was pulled in because she loves to be a learner as well. And so we're going to break it all down with all of y'all. So... Um, The first question I want to ask you guys is, would you say that you enjoy learning new things? Is it something you're passionate about? And if so, like, are there some areas that you particularly like to go after growth in and others are like, maybe I don't want to touch that right now? (laughs) Or what what does it look like as far as you specifically experiencing personal growth? I think for me, learning, I love learning every day. I'm always trying to learn something new as much as possible. But sometimes learning happens unexpectedly. You're kind of forced to learn with your everyday life experiencing, like moving to a new continent for me. <laughs> that was a big learning step and mm-hmm. trying to learn. And tell manu- us what you did. Where did you move from? I moved from Kenya yeah. about eight months ago. Mm. And it's just been a learning curve from rent to bills to taxes to (laughs) all the good stuff so sometimes learning doesn't have to be something that you project it's something that god just kind of puts in front of you and you just have to take it head on yeah good point yeah i don't really like learning so obviously i'm (laughs) in the wrong field no i uh i love learning different things um mostly it's work related i feel like (laughs) so uh just a lot of different assessments uh, learning about different ways of learning. <laughs> Since you mentioned that's our, our job, so we a lot of what we do is learn how to figure out adult learning styles. Or I'm working on a master's degree right now, so I also am just intrigued by um, 
digging deeper into what I'm passionate about. So right now I'm working on organizational development and psychology. So I'm fascinated by the human brain. And again, it's, it's kind of learning about learning, which is learningception. Mm-hmm. And um, I just am open to different experiences in life and doing fun things as well. So it's kind of a broad way of going about that. But yeah, to echo what Maya said, just in all different ways, you're kind of always learning what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so then that gives you a new opportunity. So I do love learning, Lisa. I feel like if I didn't, I would have been disinvited from the podcast. So <laughs> it almost goes without saying, but uh, about 10 years ago, I took Strengths Finder and Learner was my number one. And I didn't even need to see the next four. I, mm-hmm. I loved, I strongly identified with that. And I gravitate toward probably personal development, leadership books, and learning in that sphere. But but like Maya said, there's all sorts of things that life puts in your path that that lead you to learn all sorts of things like fixing a dryer or fixing something in your car that those aren't things I naturally would gravitate toward, but but certainly find joy in trying to figure things out, uh, even if I'm not looking for it. Yeah, that's so good, because it, it reminds me of how, you know, as I talk to people, I was just in a conversation with a bunch of friends last week, and they just started rattling off all the documentaries that they've watched recently. And I'm like, mm-hmm. It is so interesting how people gravitate. I mean, obviously, some that would be more of a visual learner or people that like to, you know, kind of enter into people's stories in that sense. But I was like, my goodness, like there is so much there was so much variety of the types of topics that they learned about through watching various documentaries and then it became like okay well I need to write down that one because I haven't seen it and well I want to see that and and all of that so that makes it kind of fun I would say me too there's there are elements of just learning about people that I love to do Um, I kind of not too ashamedly admit that I can't watch a movie or a football game or whatever without all of a sudden ending up on people's wiki entries and I'm all into their personal business and their bios and their history and just like I don't know how helpful all of that is but I just find it fascinating as well as kind of learning some of the the personal growth stuff too and I love finding out what makes people tick and all of that so what uh, what would you guys say comes, I mean, Andrew, you alluded to this, but what comes kind of easily to you in learning and what would be more something difficult, like the types of things for you to pick up and learn? You alluded to it, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> I did. I So I do find that I, I did not really gravitate toward mechanical things, anything mechanical. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's that was not something that that I I did a lot as a kid, but suddenly I got married, I had my own house, and stuff would break, and I'd have to figure out, how are we going to fix this? We could call a mechanic, we could call a repair person, but we're broke, so I guess it's time to get on YouTube and figure this out. And I think that something that was pretty pivotal for me was reading a book by Carol Dweck called Mindset. And she really outline the difference between people with fixed mindsets and people with growth mindsets. Mm-hmm. And when I read that book, I realized that when you have a growth mindset, the idea is you may be, you may fail at something and that's okay, that we're not fixed in place. We can grow, we can learn. And when you have that mindset, uh, there's really not much of a limit in terms of things that you can figure out how to do. So suddenly I would do things like our dryer would break 
and I would take it apart and watch YouTube videos, and I would completely fail. I remember the first time I took our dryer apart, I put it all back together and then saw a part sitting on the floor beside me that was pretty essential for the thing to work, so I had to take it apart again and fix it. But I slowly began to feel more and more confident in things that I hadn't been before, and so even things that I don't gravitate toward, recognizing that, you know, if I put enough time into this and really work at it, there's a lot that's possible. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I, um, what's been helpful for me in addressing the whole mindset issue is the idea that it's not always about conquering something or reaching the apex. Now, clearly you need a dryer that works. So mm-hmm. at some point yes. you got to get to the the end of this process. But especially for softer subjects or different things, it's all about the process and what are you experiencing and what are you gaining out of this rather than because it's very easy for me to go to, well, I got to be good at it, or I've got, you know, I have to master this or whatever. And that's really not helpful for me because there will, you know, I well, first of all, I don't even want to tread into like mathematics, but were I to, um, it would have to be about like, okay, what can I learn here rather than what can I master? So how about you, Casey? Well, it's funny you say math because that was my degree in college <laughs> and I still am not good at it. So <laughs> I don't think you ever master math. So I was going to say I am a recovering perfectionist because for that same reason, I wouldn't start something because I knew I wouldn't be great at it. Mm. And also same thing with games, even like, I'm not going to win this game. So why bother playing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just, I think it took a lot of fun out of my life. And I, I've learned that even though I'm not a great painter or artist, that I really enjoy sitting with my friends and painting a really bad picture and or taking photos and knowing they won't turn out as well as I would hope and just being open for those experiences. So I would say the same thing. I, I've learned over my life to enjoy the process and the journey. And learning doesn't have to mean that you'll have mastery at the end of it, but just being willing to um, have those life experiences and enjoy life. So that's kind of something I'm I'm working on right now. Hmm. Okay. I think I'll piggyback on what uh, you said because I'm also beat myself up if I'm not perfect. So I find myself putting myself in a little hole sometimes when I'm just like, oh, I could have done this better and this way didn't go the way I wanted to. So just also growth in that, just trying to be able to understand that nobody's perfect and even if you mess up here you don't do something perfectly here it's not the end of the world Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. now would you say Maya because you had referenced kind of when we first started talking making a big move continent Mm -hmm. to continent would you say that it's been like learning for you so many new things has been an exhausting process like do you find yourself needing to just be like can I not take some new information in for like three days without I mean what what has that been like just managing the process of learning so many new things um I think having a community around you mm-hmm. helps a lot because you can ask questions I love asking questions even mm-hmm. if it's dumb questions and I usually know that no question is dumb. Mm-hmm. So um, asking as many questions as possible and being able to learn through that and not feel like I'm a failure for not knowing what to do or mm-hmm. um, what everyone knows I may not know. So it's just the learning process has just been amazing, just having people around me helping me yeah. with that. 
So that's interesting because, um, you know, Andrew, I'll bring it up. You talked about doing StrengthsFinder. How do we reconcile something like that? Of you're not going to be good at everything. You're going to, you know, you've got to be willing to ask questions. You have to be willing to fail with kind of this idea. You know, I think it's certainly in the business world, but also beyond of like, just manage towards your strengths. You know, we tend to emphasize that. How do we find a balance between the two of like, sometimes we're just going to do things we're not good at and we got to be okay with that. But also being able to recognize that, yeah, we can also incorporate um, building on strengths too. I do think it's very important to spend time building on strengths. I think that's that's really good advice. Uh, I often suggest to people that they follow their curiosity. That when it comes to learning, that they that they go in whatever direction it is that they feel led to go. What are you What are you curious about this month? But not at the expense of going deep in some things. And so I do think there there's a time to really get good at something, to work on your strengths, to develop your strengths. I think it's Carrie Newhoff that talks about cheating your gift. And there can be a thing where we're pretty good at something and we're good enough to get by. We're good enough that uh, even if we didn't put a lot of work into it, people wouldn't necessarily notice it. But he really challenges us to to go deep so that you're you're an expert in that that you that you continue to grow your skills. So I do encourage people to really look at some areas that they're strong in and and don't cheat your gift. It, definitely spend the time to to make those even stronger. Mm, yeah, that's good. What would be an example of something where you guys did something and you kind of failed at it, but you still learned something through the process? I mean, I'll. I'll share just quickly, this comes to mind. We, I have a team here at work that seems set on going to these painting and craft places, like for our Christmas parties. And I'm like, someone needs to put a hard stop to this because I am so stressed out about doing these because I too am a recovering perfectionist. And I'm like, I cannot do this like sign or tray or whatever I need to do unless it's going to be like really good. And so... um that is funny because I, I think that there was something where I did one and I kind of messed something up and I'm like, oh, well, threw my hands up. Like, why am I even doing this? And I was able to realize that the the person came over, one of the workers, and they were like, oh, no, you're cool. We can just do this. And all of a sudden she did some like magic on it. And it ended I was just ready to check it out the window and realizing that I'm so like black and white, like one and done, like it's done. And then she's like, no, this is totally salvageable. So I thought that was really helpful for me to see like, yeah, it's not all lost, but I don't know. What are some examples for you guys? You're bringing up memories of the human resources Christmas party where we made <laughs> wreaths a few years ago and everyone laughed at my wreath, but I'm not going to talk about that anymore. It was so good. <laughs> I thought it was good. I remember giving, I remember being in college and was in a public speaking course and I was giving a talk on procrastination hmm. And about 15 seconds into the presentation, I completely froze and panicked. And so I just stood there looking at everybody and then said, I can't do this right now and went to my seat. And everyone thought it was part of the presentation. Like, oh, it's so funny that he procrastinated on even preparing. But they soon realized as I continued to sit there that I wasn't coming back. And the professor had a very lovely talk with me after about how that probably wouldn't work if I were invited to speak somewhere, and which was good advice. That does not work. 
And I think public speaking is one of those things a lot of people have where they feel like I did in that moment. Maybe they don't immediately stop after 15 seconds, but that they feel like it didn't go as well as it could have gone, that they really wish they were somewhere else uh, and, you know, vow they'll never do it again. And and that's a good example of something, though. You got to get the reps in. The more you do that, the more you get feedback from people, the more you you try new things, you you see what works, what doesn't work that you get better at it over time. So fortunately now I can speak in front of an audience and get way past 15 seconds. But I do look back at that and think, if I had, if I had stopped right there and thought, well, I guess I'm just not good at public speaking, I think about how much I would have missed as a result of that over the course of, of the rest of my life. Yeah, so true. I think I'm really good at pushing through, even though I'm bad at something. So I don't <laughs> know if it's a failure. For instance, the, the mathematics degree that I got and... When I knew I wasn't good in all my classes, I was getting C's and I still said, I'm still getting this degree. I don't even (laughs) care if I'm awful at it. I'm pushing through even if it takes me double the time. So I feel like that's a detriment sometimes for me because I have to prove to myself I'll finish it even if it's not serving me. So I honestly, even in the, the times where like Andrew's talking about with not being good at public speaking. I will still stand up there and fake it till I make it, even if it's a horrible, horrible failure. So I'm learning that maybe trying something and failing and adapting to that and then deciding I can give up and that's okay because this won't be the thing I'm good at. That's something I struggle with Mm -hmm. versus pushing through even though it's an obvious failure. So that's an interesting question because I I can't even think off the top of my head something where I really failed and gave up. I failed and kept going. <laughs> and so that's, that's my example. Or else you're just like, sometimes uh, I'm in the spot of like, I'm not really failing or succeeding, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to be the best mediocre, I think, <laughs> yeah. at this, and I'm just going to like get through it or uh, something. World's so. okayest boss. Mm-hmm. Literally <laughs> have a mug. Yeah. So there is that, but. Maya, any examples of something where you weren't the greatest, but you still learned from it? Um, I love singing. So every time I go in front of an audience, I stop. Like, it just doesn't work out. I start sweating and shaking. My voice becomes shaky. But I would practice. I would practice. But as soon as somebody's in front of me, I'm just like, I'm not doing this. Sorry. But I think just the idea of... I used to just pretend I'm alone and no one else is in the room and then just let it let it happen. Mm-hmm. Like she was saying that just go through with it and let it happen and hope that everyone liked it at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny cuz you saying that brings up the idea of like it's so hard to be averagely successful mm-hmm. nowadays cuz there are so many outliers out there. So it's like, you know, I mean, it, public speaking well, why even bother? Because there are a billion TED Talks that you can go to of all these people or people on global stages or whatever, or sing, you know, artists, and you can just download anyone you want and like, well, who wants to hear me sing, you know, so Mm -hmm. that is kind of tricky. To that point, I want to end with a fun question for all of us. And that is just, what's next? What are you learning now? What do you want to learn? Um, Whether it might be something trending towards your strengths or not? Um, What are you currently going after or would hope to be going after in any sphere of life? Um, I really want to do skydiving. 
Oh my Eventually. word. Do you learn how to do it? You just, jump you just do you it. Just strap yourself in. <laughs> you learn firm. How to do it while maintaining Gravity. bodily functions. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's a way to do it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm actually, I'm, I'm hoping to get scuba certified this year. So mm. scuba, oh. scuba diving. That's good because that's both skill and addressing fears and addressing. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot I love of stuff. the ocean and I'm basically Figuring a mermaid, you know. <laughs> like what in the world? That, that sounds okay. like a lot of fun to me. And I have friends who are certified. So it's almost, it's a goal with a, some reward with that, with the friendship being strengthened in the midst of it. So yeah, that's good. I'll give you a work example. I'm, I'm really interested right now in growing in my facilitation skills with with groups i i just when i'm in a room and there's someone facilitating something and they use a whiteboard or or just paper on the wall or something i don't use whiteboards and paper on the wall as much as i want to so in in about six months i am just going to be diagramming things (laughs) with groups sitting around in front of me and it's going to be amazing so that's what i'm currently learning I would I would love to see you incorporate like Legos or modeling clay oh, or it could happen. Can you? It could I mean, happen I, after the whiteboard. Really mix it up. I mean, really mix it up. I think that'd be fun. So, yeah, the first thing that came to mind for me is I have a number of friends who now play pickleball, and because I play ish tennis but I'm not good and I spend a lot of time chasing balls I'm like maybe pickleball is my thing but it, there's kind of a FOMO element to it as I, I feel like just the cool kids are like playing pickleball and now there's all these courts near me so I'm thinking I'm like and for me like physical activity and exercise if it's something that I actually have to learn rules to and whatever rather than just hitting a machine or doing something I think I'm a little more motivated to go after that so we'll see and maybe I'll get like a fun uniform um <laughs> do they have pickleball fun. uniforms I don't think so but I think I might make one up nice and just be like you know here's the new pickleball uniform it's kind of so. like tennis mm-hmm. so the skirt <laughs> I'll be all like try to be cool so you guys thank you so much this is super fun I think we can all be motivated to um kind of put effort towards learning some new things and having fun in the process so thanks much thanks, Lisa. thank you Lisa. Thank you, Lisa you're my calm in the chaos my peace in the war You speak into the madness And tell me I'm yours Tell me I'm yours You're my calm You're my calm in the chaos My peace in the war You speak into the madness And tell me Satisfy my soul You are my Every heartbeat Every breath and breathe You're all I need You're all I need You speak life Sing your love over me You're all I need You're all I need Caught up in your Captivating Never failing love You are my Every heartbeat Every breath and breathe 
folks. Well, here for this week's culture segment, we get to welcome back. It's been kind of a while. It's been a long time, Lisa. It's been a while. Okay, now I I guess I can say uh, Dr. Danny Gorta. I think we've had you on since you were a doctor, but it's like... Maybe once. It has been a a long time. Well, we had to test you out. We weren't even sure if you were legit. I mean, did you really earn this degree or what's going on? Yeah, thanks for checking into that. That's very excellent. But we're like, you know what? We're going to give him another chance and see what he can share with our audience. So um, today... And you are, you're the um, vice president of... My home. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll give you credit for that too. Um, But also here at Focus on the Family, specifically over uh, as one of our family ministries VPs, uh, specifically over parenting and uh, kind of that whole realm of like family dynamics and playing that out through parenting and beyond. So... Uh, super cool there, but we thought we would bring you in because in a previous life, I know that you were a clinical social worker, and then you also um, recently got your doctorate in psychology from California Southern University, all of which play into your current role here at Focus on the Family uh, as vice president of parenting and youth. And so I thought we would pull you in today because I feel like this kind of pulls in so many different um, roles and and what you do and the advice that you can dispense to talk about dating and mental health Mm -hmm. and kind of really talking almost like backing it up because I feel like a lot of folks, you know, a lot of young adults will say, and we know that millennials and and Gen Zers uh, are generations that really struggle, at least percentage-wise, I mean, have mental health struggles really unprecedented Mm -hmm. among generations, and so, and are willing to admit it, you know, I mean, it's just like real, it's like all of us are like, hey, hey, y'all, this is what we're up against, so um, that said, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, yeah, you can actually go back, like, into childhood, like, a ways back and realize that a lot of things are sourced out of family environment and other struggles um, that folks have had. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, the last year's been hard, so yeah. I'm struggling. But Definitely right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, that plays into this. And so mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask you from the get-go, really, for folks who are listening, why, Danny, would you say that today especially, where we are, I mean— even pre-COVID, but definitely now post-COVID, why are we seeing such an increase in mental health issues, in the struggle of that, the, the um, you know, really the manifestation of that in the lives of, of folks today, especially young adults? I believe there are many, many factors coming into play. One big one is just the shifting in our following of Jesus. I mean, that's a big one, just spiritually there's some big shifts that are happening culturally that in itself can create a a sense of hopelessness and and a, no true north for people but i would say that um other things that are affecting that are uh the legalization of of pot has had a big big impact on mental health with teens that i've seen and young adults in my own practice and then i'd say diet demand social media political momentums that are out there and political conflict and division. Uh, There's uh, the factors right now of inflation and and financial issues. It's just things can build on each other. And when it builds, it begins to to squeeze out mental health issues that a person already has. Now, there's mental illness and there's mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Mental illness is a very deep 
genetic type of issue and there are personality disorders that go with that. And then you have mental health issues. It's a breakdown with stress and other things that begin to break down your ability to mentally handle life. And then you have the the maintaining of mental health. That's Mm -hmm. something that we can do as adults. And as you were talking about mental health and dating, I was thinking dating sometimes can cause mental health issues because Mm -hmm. it can be such an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. So there are many factors that come into play. Yeah, that's good. Um, It's interesting you say that because I feel like we get a number of questions from listeners who are wondering even based on the struggles that I'm identifying and I'm wondering like, do my peers deal with this too or whatever, should I even be dating? And so they're trying to figure out like, Mm. do I have to get a bunch of stuff together first or figure out like, what does it look like? Like what, what plumb line am I trying to hit as far as like a, a a normal or a healthy or whatever, before Mm. I bring another person into the mix. And so I'm wondering what would be your response to a young adult who came up to you and said, how do I know that I'm ready to start dating or, you know, what, what makes a person dateable in, from a mental health perspective? I've been asked that question many times. There's just one guy I can think of that, uh, in his early twenties, uh, very good looking guy, handsome, a lot of girls wanted to date him, but severe anxiety. And he just said, when can I, can I date? It's just th- this mental health thing, the anxiety, my mental illness, it's really interfering with my ability to even have conversation mm-hmm. with, with young women. What, what can I, what, what do I do? How do I know? And really when a person is pursuing a healthier life, and that is going to counseling, uh, exercise, possibly medication or supplements or dietary change, if they're, if they're pursuing that health, in that process, you can date another person. If you and there's there's varying degrees of severity, right? You have a person that might have uh, ADHD and they're inattentive and they have a hard time paying attention, all the way to schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And with schizophrenia, that makes it much more complicated. Or uh, you know, dissociative identity disorder. Those are big things mm-hmm. compared to ones where you have maybe a mild form of depression or some anxiety. So measure that out as well. If if they're schizophrenia. There's a lot to consider there or some of the, the bigger mental health issues. And you can go through with your, your therapist, whoever you're working with, and talk that through. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the, the markers here that tell me that I'm healthy enough to, to go date someone? And then being open with the other person about that. But if it's a milder form, as long as you're pursuing health, in, you can date along the way. Just recognize when your mental health issues are starting to affect your ability to love and see the other person. Hmm. So what, um, I I think another question a lot of people have, and and it's really great, I feel like our Boundless um, audience is so attuned to this, because we have many people who struggle, like let's say depression or anxiety, you know, I mean, kind of some middle of the road kind of struggle, you know, where a lot of people do uh, utilize medication or whatever, but lots of other things as well. But if someone's dating someone, like how how do they know? It's awkward to sit down for coffee with someone and feel like yeah. maybe this person yeah. is struggling with yeah, depression. Tell me, tell me about what it. Are yeah. you, uh, <laughs> what are you doing regarding your depression? Because I need to make sure if you Have are some worth with da- me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how how can you appropriately ascertain like whether or not a person is in that place of pursuing health without being that person who's like super judgy or like, let me tell you what you need to be doing. Have you done X hours of counseling? Have you <laughs> sought out whatever? Because you can't, we, we always say here at Boundless, 
do not enter a dating relationship to become someone's therapist. Yeah. So, but what does that look like? Yeah, just observations are, are important. How do they treat other people when, they're, when their guard is down? How are they uh, using their, their free time? Sometimes when, when under stress, what are they doing when they're stressed out? Things spill out at that point, and, and you can see potentially some unhealthy patterns. Not everybody's going to be perfect handling those, mm-hmm. but that's when you most likely will see some things coming out. And also, if you're dating a person over a, a longer period of time, you can see seasons where they're uh, maybe at their worst and at their best, and you need to begin to, to lean in on whether or not it'd be good for you guys to do some dating, like pre-engagement counseling, and that's okay to do. I encourage that uh, actually frequently for, for couples to go in and talk through these things, because there's a lot to consider as well. If you end up getting married, there's there's some genetics at play, you're going to have seasons where this doesn't uh, go as well. And are you ready for that, uh, to love this person through thick and thin, through the, the those difficult times? But what you can do is is look at the person, their behaviors, and then are they showing a love towards you? Are they present? Are they listening? Are they able to be with you? Or is it all about them? Because many times if it's all about them, there's some other things that may be not shown in that in the mental health area. Hmm. Okay. So what about like, let's take a, you know, maybe an example of a, a more extreme situation, like you're dating someone and all of a sudden they disclose, you know, yeah, maybe in the very recent past, I've had suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. or maybe I did get some kind of a diagnosis and or have a, a diagnosis, but I don't really think I can, you know, I, I think I can handle it or I can do, yeah. you know, I mean, where it's something where it's a little bit of a bombshell and you're tempted to step in and see what you can do to fix it. But right. how do you, where do you go with that? Um, in... Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to okay. fix that. Let's, let's, okay. let's start there. Uh Take a step back, and that's okay to do. Hey, this is a big deal. What you just shared is a little scary for me mm-hmm. because it would be kind of scary to hear that from from a person that you love and you're hoping to have a future with. Mm-hmm. And it's something I need to process and think through and pray through. It doesn't mean you don't love the person by doing that. It doesn't mean you're rejecting them either. You're trying to adapt and adjust to some reality that has come your way. Mm-hmm that could be pretty hard to to manage in a relationship. So if they're saying they're suicidal, at that point, uh, it's it's important to talk about, well, what kind of help are you getting? Uh, This is a scary thing. And depending on those answers, uh, it gives you some clues as to whether or not it's a healthy trajectory you're going on. If they're saying, no, I'm just kind of trying to handle it on my own, then you say, hey, maybe it's time. Why don't you get help with that? Mm -hmm. And and then let's see. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can... We can continue with this uh, because I want you in a healthy place so that we can love each other well. Mm-hmm. It's not because you're a bad person. It's I want us to be able to love each other at a deep level. And that's going to make it hard when you're at a place where you don't even know if you want to live. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think some people would be scared. Well, now they're actually probably going to do it because mm-hmm. I'm rejecting them. No, you're asking them to get healthy with the potential that you could have a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds, I mean, that sounds like if you can have that kind of conversation, that's a very good one to have, especially if you've been dating for a while. And like you said, you want to honor the person. What would you say, like, say you've had a number of these conversations, maybe you've had them multiple times. How do you know when either you have to take a step back or really cut off this relationship altogether? When is it time 
Because a lot of people will say, well, I've invested in this person. Maybe we've dated a couple of years now. Maybe I, I don't want to lose that time. I don't want to, you know, yeah, people will backpedal and make a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, excuses per se mm. in that sense. So what are what are some signs that, nope, this, there needs to be the pause button hit on this? When you notice yourself going in a cycle, right? They're, they're coming back. They're saying, I'm sorry. Maybe there's a blow up or there's an addiction involved, maybe a sex addiction or other things that could mm-hmm. cycle through. And you see the person saying, hey, I've, I'm getting help. I'm doing better. And all of a sudden they, they go to it again and, and they're, they're all in. They binge on that or they're, they're verbally abusive. And then they go, man, I'm sorry. I'm, and you notice this cycle just continue. It's time to hop out mm-hmm. and not get stuck in the crazy vortex of a cycle like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that they're not in a healthy place. They're just they're, – they're trying to consume you. It's all about themselves, and it's not really about learning how to contribute to you. If, if they start to go towards a healthier place, the counseling, you, you see that the cycle is getting better and better where they're not as – extreme and you're noticing that they're making better decisions in your observations and you know okay this is headed in a good direction and i'm going to be patient with it mm-hmm. if it's just getting stuck there it's time to hop out and then you know vi- revisit maybe it, you can date in the future maybe not but allow them to get healthier and that's actually a very loving thing to do to a person mm-hmm. to remove yourself so you're not the person you don't become their drug mm-hmm. uh, of choice along the way. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's um, back it up a little bit. I'd love to get some thoughts, you know, for that, just the the person who's listening here and they're like, uh, you know, because we talk about this a lot on Boundless, how also young adult generations are have high incidences of burnout, um, mm. you know, doing too many things, the gig uh, economy, you yeah, know, like, well, true. I can make some extra money. I I also want to hang out with my friends. I also have family responsibilities. I also need to keep up with multiple social media channels. What are some good things for a person to sit down and think through uh, to even discern Am I reaching a point of maybe a mental health crisis in myself? Like, what's a good way for them to do a self-assessment of, am I in a good spot or do I need to take a few steps back or look at getting some help? Yeah, when you start start noticing yourself not wanting necessarily to get up, if you start noticing that you're you're snapping at people, you're very impatient, if you're starting to... Uh, for some people at the extreme level, not care. Okay, if I get an accident or something happens, I don't, I don't really care. Mm. It means you're starting to burn out with what life is about, and you're just tired and worn out. It's okay to step back and to say no and to begin figuring out how you can care for yourself well. And that could be uh, maybe taking a two-week vacation. Maybe it's uh, learning the rhythms of life that you need, the space you need each day, and saying no to the things that spill into that. And for some people, they they take a shower at night and in the morning, and that's a that's a good uh, refresher, and it, and it you know provides good rest. Some people change their their diet and their nutrition. Some people put exercise into their evening or their morning. Those little shifts can begin to help. But if you notice yourself, even if you're making those shifts, just not have any energy or no love for people, just you're losing love of life, then it's time to begin to shift. And, and it could be a big shift. And that's maybe leaving a job that you've got and starting kind of pressing the reset button and uh, reaching out to a counselor, a counselor, a mentor that can listen to you, 
um, help you see where you're maybe overcommitting, mm-hmm. maybe some things that may be overwhelming, and then write down a menu of things that you can choose from. Many times in the stress, you can't think of what to do. And, and for some people, it's stress eating or just sleeping or drinking or doing something unhealthy. Instead, put some healthy things on a list, put it in the refrigerator, your car, and then choose, make that a menu that you love to go to because it's about you bringing health into your life as you're trying to manage the demands of life coming at you. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's funny you say that because now I've got to ask you, you got to talk a little bit about this personally because there are some employees here um, in our building that kind of joke about some of your healthy habits and uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's> you, right. <laughs> how you that's go right. after this. So you got to tell on yourself, like, what are what are yeah. some of the things that you've done? Maybe some changes you've yeah, made that, that you're like, oh my word, like this actually made a difference. Because yeah. some people here think mm. you're kind of freaky, like with the healthy <laughs> stuff. Okay, but for the average person, bit, Lisa, you, yeah. you are a little bit. This is where we're going to pause and do a little infomercial. Yeah, about kombucha but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but like talk about just a couple of those things that you realized really were wins for you personally and making it happen yeah a while back uh just as a therapist i I wanted to uh research some things uh that my own daughter was going through Hmm. one day she was she was screaming and out of control for like 45 minutes it happened over and over again when she was young Hmm. And I said, yeah, maybe she's demon-possessed. Maybe she's got I, – I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I was going, this is really weird. And come to find out, it was in her gut. Hmm. And she had inflammation. They said she's allergic to this, this, and that. The, the, and that's when I began to learn about the brain and the gut and how it's so closely aligned and how exercise can be just as effective or more effective than medication for people that are depressed. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a healthy lifestyle because that helps the the mental health and helps me show up the best I can. And so as I was reading that, uh, I tasted kombucha. It tasted nasty the first time. It tasted like pure vinegar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and then I started to like it. Mm-hmm. And we went through this. My daughter had to go gluten-free and some other things. And I said, well, I'll try it. And I felt more energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to, I mean, I think I lost like 20 pounds because I was going, man, stuff is like cardboard. <laughs> uh, but it actually, they've done much better mm-hmm. with the food mm-hmm. uh, that people need to eat. So we've done that alongside of our daughter. And in that, I've grown to love this, but I've also seen it in many of my clients, young adults that have mm-hmm. shifted their lifestyle into doing exercise in the morning or at night on a consistent basis where the brain can can know that's coming. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen it, uh, I've seen that and the shift into a better diet mm. And I and and then with that they they find more energy to pour into the relationships. The relationships are better. They have more energy to do what they've got they've got to do during the day. Mm-hmm. And then this helps reduce some of the anxiety, some of the depression. And I've seen it work beautifully in some of the young young men and women that I've worked with in my counseling. Not perfectly, and it's taken them patience as well mm-hmm. to to get through that. And for me, I think the, the part that I love about it is God has given us this body to take care of. It's not, it's not really our own. Mm-hmm. Our soul gets to exist in this. And I want to take care of it so I do whatever he's called me to do well and with excellence and the best I can mm-hmm. without me working against myself on my body. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I've had lower back issues or things like that, at least, and I start to feel the age. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, my goodness, I, <laughs> I really do need to take care of this thing so mm-hmm. that I can enjoy 
being with kids, my kids, till they're adults, and then grandkids, mm-hmm. and being able to play. Yeah. I love to play. That's good. Well, it just shows how, you know, we were created as whole persons and God does care about the whole person. And so such good advice. Well, folks, we want to make sure that you know, uh, we actually are going to put together a few links of resources um, for you to get some additional reading and info, including an article by Danny that's titled, What is Mental Health and Why is it Important for Your Family? So go to boundless.org. You can search 789. That's this week's episode. And uh, you'll be able to find really what we have available there, which we'll be able to um, kind of offer to you and you'll you'll be able to read some of that and, and listen to some of it. And then also, we would love for you to get in touch with our counseling department if you would like to just get a brief consult to maybe talk through where you are right now and what some next steps might be. And so just call us at 1-800-THE-LETTER-A and the word FAMILY, 1-800-A-FAMILY, to set up a free consultation. Well, Danny, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, uh, freakish with my diet stuff and all. <laughs> hey, I have sure. one quote real quick. For, yes. I think this would be helpful for people. My daughter wrote this in my, my journal. It says, God is in control and his timing is perfect. Strength comes in the struggle. So make sure you lean in, pray, and gain wisdom along the way. There's a lot of imperfection to love and dating. That's good. These hands do nothing until you compel me. These feet go nowhere until you propel me. Bearing to your spirit rushes through This life is nothing without you I've reached the end of what my sight can show me I only want to know the one who knows me My heart was searching, now I finally found the truth This life is nothing without you Let your heart be Folks, we are finishing out the show by opening up our inbox, and I get to answer this week's question because it actually was directed at me. One of our listeners is wondering what some of my favorite Bible verses or passages are and what makes them so meaningful to me. So... Awesome question. I love talking about this because I feel like, especially in the last few years, God has really been teaching me a lot. So I'm going to share a few really quickly here. I am going to start uh, with Romans 1.16, which has long been a favorite verse of mine. Um, it is such a great verse in the sense that um, it really basically summarizes the gospel and what it means to us personally. And it is the verse, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. And uh, it really reminds me, I love focusing in on that passage or the the phrase, the power of God, uh, showing that salvation, both mine and others, 
is really a gift from God, and it's entirely done by God and initiated by God. So that's always been an encouragement to me um, that I don't have to perform. I don't have to muster anything up. I don't have to uh, consider God's offer to me in the sense of uh, what that would mean, but God is entirely doing the work. And so it's so cool. Um, Also in Romans, Romans 8, really Romans like three through eight, you guys, you just need to read. But Romans 8 in particular, um, where it talks very specifically about what it means to be an heir alongside Christ and the fact that that's a positional statement of who we are in Jesus. It is very much a declaration of God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, really, being given to us. Um, He takes our sins away and he gives us his righteousness. And as a result, we are declared righteous and we are sons and daughters of the living God. Um, In fact, sons, really, my pastor was just talking about this, that really were male and female sons in a sense, because sons had that position and that status back in that culture. Um, They could inherit, they had special standing. And so we all have that equally. And that's a super encouragement to me. One other that's really important to me is John 15. Many of you know this is the passage about uh, abiding in the vine and what that looks like. For me, this is a great instructional passage on what it means to work out my salvation. Working out my salvation is not doing a bunch of good works or, again, managing my sin or performing. It's about staying plugged into Jesus Christ, who is the true vine. And when I stay plugged into him, that's where I got to put my effort. What does it mean for me to be staying in? his word, to be trusting him, to be believing him and taking him at his word. And with that, he will do the work yet again in producing fruit in my life uh, on all different levels. And so again, I'm not trying to be a quote unquote good Christian. I'm not trying to do the right things. I'm not trying to be better than other people. I am simply abiding in Jesus, trusting in him, and letting him accomplish good things in my life. And then finally, I will share Psalm 77:19. Any of you who have purchased one of my books, uh, The Dating Manifesto, from me and have had me sign it, I always sign with Psalm 77:19, which references uh, the Israelites going through the Red Sea and uh, the parting of the Red Sea. And it basically says that God made a way for them through the mighty waters, though his footprints were unseen. And this has been such an encouragement to me throughout my life in the sense that there's not a lot of times where I know what's coming up or what's going on even right now. And I may think uh, that God has forgotten me. I may think that his plans for me aren't good, but he is always working behind the scenes. Um, In fact, isn't it John Piper who said, God, at any given moment in time, is doing 10,000 things in your life, and you might be aware of about three of them. So that's something we can take to the bank and trust that God is working out his good purposes for us. So, well, I hope uh, these are just a few. There are so many others. I hope this is an encouragement to you. I would definitely uh, encourage you to read those passages as well as any others. And certainly hit us up here at editor at boundless.org and share some maybe uh, favorite scriptures that have been meaningful to you as well. And while you're doing it, just shoot us a word of like what God's doing in your life. We love to hear that too. Testimonials, what Boundless has uh, role we've played in that process and uh, just the goodness of God. It's good for us to remind one another of that. So in the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. 
Hey everyone, on Monday, listen to the latest release of my podcast, Refocus with Jim Daly. Dr. John Lennox talks about how we need to show both love and truth to others. Love and truth, they find difficult to put together because love without truth becomes sloppy sentiment and truth without love becomes hard and can be vicious. Dr. Lennox will help you overcome barriers when sharing your faith on the next Refocus with Jim Daly.